You are listening to The Heart of Christ, a year-long podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. Throughout 2022, we will spend time reflecting on Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, so we can come to know not only what Jesus has done, but who he is. What is his deepest heart for his people, people who are weary, stumbling, sinners, and sufferers? So we invite you to grab your Bibles, prepare your hearts, and come along with us as we find rest in the gentle and lowly heart of Christ. Welcome to episode four of The Heart of Christ. My name is Keith Winder, one of the pastors at Wheatland, and today I'm joined by Dan and Liz Grubb. Dan and Liz are members of Wheatland, have been attending here for about five years, and they have two children, Olivia and Nolan. The three of us will be reflecting on chapter seven of Gentle and Lowly, which is titled, What Our Sins Evoke. So Dan and Liz, thanks for joining me. And before we get going, and before I start asking you the really deep, penetrating questions, uh, I just want you guys to tell us a bit about yourself for those who are listening who maybe either have never met you before or uh, or just know a little bit about you. So I want you to tell us something about yourself. I think I'm supposed to go first. So let's uh, let's start with, yeah, we've been here coming to Wheatland for about five years since we moved from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and we moved down there. Uh, just after we got married in 2012 is when we moved down to 2011. 2011 is when we got married. <laughs> I wasn't no. sure where you're going with that sentence. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, so we we were down there for a while and we brought our daughter home, Olivia home from Poland and um, felt the need to get some more family support uh, primarily. Um, and whenever we had come to Lancaster, it always felt like coming home. And Liz grew up in Lancaster. I did not. And it still felt like coming home to me as well. So it just always felt like the place where we were supposed to be. Um, and then in 2019, right before the pandemic hit, uh, we brought Nolan home from China. So that was, um, he has been a great blessing to our family and we love him and he is a great kid. Um, I just got to drop them off at school this morning. And that is always interesting what things we will talk about on the way there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, we love Wheatland and it has been really awesome uh, to be members, um, to be a part of the body of Christ um, and connected um, to the people there and, and just a lot of support uh, as we have walked with our two kids um, and there are a variety of special needs. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know what to add other than to say um, both, you know, professionally, both Dan and I work out of the home. Dan's a um, mental health counselor, and I work at your college. I've been in higher ed for my whole professional career. So um, we love serving people, and we love being with people, and um, sometimes that means that we're really tired <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, but we have really, you know, 
at least so far, despite all of the trials and the triumphs, it's just been really evident that God has been leading us um, every step of the way. And every season has been a blessing, even though it's had its challenges. Um, So excited to see what's coming up next for us, whatever that might be. And for now, really excited to try and uh, dig some take some roots here in Lancaster. Yeah, that's it's the the fun part about doing this uh, on Zoom, but having people only have the audio is I get to watch you guys non-verbally discuss who's going to answer the question, uh, but nobody else gets to see that. So that's a lot of fun. So it'll be fun to watch that happen as we go. And no one else will ever know what's happening. Uh, So the question that I ask everybody else when we start this is, is, so this book, Gentle Lowly, is about the heart of Jesus. And Dane Ortland says, that the only time Jesus describes his heart in Matthew 11 is when he says he's gentle and lowly in heart. Um, And that's been not a shock to me in one sense, but also I don't know if those are the two words that I would have used to describe Jesus. If somebody asked me before I read this book, uh, tell me about Jesus, what's Jesus like? I would not have led with gentle and lowly. It's just not what I, I maybe I would have gotten there eventually, probably not lowly. I guarantee I would have never said that, but gentle, I think I would have got there. But if somebody had asked you guys, um, what's Jesus like? What, how would you have answered that question before sort of gaining the insights of this book? Well, weird, weirdly, we did discuss who would answer this question first. So I'm not going to make <laughs> a weird this like, whole thing. pointing. I'm just going to say, go for it, Dan. <laughs> so when I hear that question, <clears throat> what is Jesus like? The first thing that comes to mind for me is that uh, Jesus, as he has been represented in The Chosen in that popular TV series, uh, Jesus is like that Jesus. And Jesus is like um, Aslan, as he's presented in The Chronicles of Narnia. Um, But those are pale comparisons. Um, The imagery that I think of from Narnia of Jesus and how he can be near us in the midst of our sin and our sufferings and help or take them away or walk with us through the midst of it. Um, Those kinds of things come into mind. Like he is, he is strong enough to be with us no matter where we are in our walks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like, so this chapter talks about our, I think it's doing this work of talking about our sin and God's holiness. And so it's interesting, even as you talk about that, as Jesus in the midst of our sin, like he, he walks with us. When I think about my sin in relationship to God's holiness, my first thought is often, well, there's no way <laughs> that God will walk with me because, because of my sin. There's, there's mm-hmm. like that, that keeps me from him. And Dane Ortland quotes or at least talks through these ideas from Martin Lloyd-Jones where he argues that we're we are unable to get a real true understanding of our sin merely by looking at our sin like you can't look at your sin and think about it hard enough for you to really grasp the depth and the weight of our sin but it's only when we look at God and who God is and how holy God is that we recognize oh I see how far short my, how far short I've fallen because of my sin. Because, so it's when I look at God, that's when I see uh, the depth and the weight of my sin. And so 
how have you guys, or maybe have you guys, but, or how have you guys found that to be helpful uh, to recognize this sort of big stark difference or chasm between the holiness of God and our sin? Have you guys found that to be helpful or does that just like hurt? <laughs> uh, and, and how so, how has it been helpful? Yeah, I would say yes, um, but you can only really do that with hope, and we're really um, fortunate to have the hope that we have in Jesus. But I think if, you know, if we're truly image bearers and we are being called towards Christ and to be more like him, then we really do need to evaluate the ways that we are not like him, and we are not like him because of our sin. Um, And I only know that I'm sinful because he's shown me that. Um, because, you know, I, if he hadn't revealed that to me and I think about like how the law was used to reveal, um, the sin and how we like that shows our deep need for Jesus. And, um, it's really despairing. I think if we just dwell in the fact of in that, in that chasm, if we like, don't, um, reflect on God's heart um how it's portrayed and and his holiness and how he does like you know i'm getting ahead of myself here but i think it's important for us to be able to like really to focus on that but not despair in it and um you know i think about that analogy that you don't know how dark it is until you have the light and Mm -hmm. um we are living in deep darkness without jesus and um i'm so grateful that he is the light for that yeah, I, I yeah I, I agree. I think, I think the idea of God being holy and us being sinful would only be demoralizing and put us into a cycle of despair without Jesus. Like the only reason that that is even remotely helpful or good for us is because it's not the end of the story, which is what you're yes, saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost uh, yeah, it's like almost a bad question that I asked because it's impossible to, it's impossible to, for that to be positive unless that's not it, unless there's more, unless mm-hmm. there's more to it. Yeah. Unlike, unless, yeah, God's holiness produces, mm-hmm. um, because of our sin, God's holiness produces wrath or the necessity of judgment, but because of Jesus, now that judgment is, is satisfied. So now when we come to Jesus as sinners and sufferers, he can be, or he is gentle and lowly and, and tender toward us. And as I've as we've read this book, some of the feedback and some things people have asked is like, how, how do we do this without diminishing the reality or the weight of our sin? Like, how do I read this book and think, wait, isn't, is Ortland sort of, and are we in reading through this book, diminishing the, the weight of our sin? And he points to this idea in Romans five, where Paul says, where sin increased grace increased all the more. So it's not about the fact that we are diminishing our sin. It's as our sin rises and the evil of our sin, God's grace rises with that at the same time. It's not that we are lessening our sin to meet this level of God's grace. It's that God's grace increases. And Dane Ortland puts it this way. He says, when we feel as if our thoughts, words, and deeds are diminishing God's grace toward us, Those sins and failures are in fact causing God's grace to surge forward all the more. And I loved that line. And I'm, so I'm wondering, since I loved it, you have to love it as well. So I I, I was wondering, uh, like, what do you guys think this says about the heart of God, that our sin 
doesn't further the distance between us and God, but in Jesus, it actually brings Jesus closer toward us. I don't think that makes sense. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand how, so um, heart recoils within me. My heart recoils within mm-hmm. me and my compassionate grows warm. Like I told Liz last night, like, I don't understand that. Yeah. I've had my heart recoil within me and I don't let my, that doesn't cause my compassion to grow warm. So when Jesus talks about moving closer, you know, I, I think that sometimes we put in these barriers and we decide that we are not good enough, even though Christ has clearly stated that he has forgiven us of our sin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I always, well, with this question, I just was reminded that God was the initiator um, and that God is the one who is like, he is moving closer and he certainly asks us to move closer into him and learn more about him um, and to be with him. But again, that's in my sin. I can't do that. (laughs) So just the fact that he, it's, it's so revealing of his heart and his love for us that he is willing and able to just to be moving closer to us. Um, that he's like, he's the one who is almost, he's just creating a definition for compassion and for love that is beyond our human capacity to understand. And only because of him, again, him, him being the initiator, but only because of him, can we even depict that in our own lives, even in a shadow or a picture of it. Yeah. 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 I agree. And I like what you guys are saying. It's like, especially this idea. (laughs) Yeah. Dan, that you led with, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, It's true. Like it doesn't, it it doesn't make sense because our, our experience uh, in every, well, I shouldn't say in every single relationship, but our tendency as humans and our experience in most relationships that we have is that the worse we are the, the greater distance it puts between us and everyone else. And so for, for God to see us and because of his grace and love and goodness toward us, that our sin doesn't drive him away, but that he overcomes it and moves toward us is so beyond uh, or contrary to our, our typical experience. And at least I know for me, my, my initial reaction toward everyone is, oh, I see you sinning. Maybe it's different if they're suffering through something, if they're the victim of sin. I think sometimes we're drawn, we're drawn to people in that. We might not know what to do, but we're drawn to people in that. But when people are sinning and harming someone or harming us, like that, yeah, my, my thought, my first thought is never, oh, what does it look like for me to get close to this person and, <laughs> and, and to love them and to care for them? And so to think that God does that, uh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It blows, it blows my mind in many ways. Mm-hmm. Have you guys had certain people? Uh, have there been people in your life? You can't say like, Liz, you can't say Dan does this to me. And Dan, you can't say Liz does this. To- no, you can, you could say that, but, but have you guys I was like, isn't that the cool thing about having a spouse? <laughs> I know, no, you can say it. No, but yeah. So that's what I wanted to ask you guys. If you've experienced this, so in the, in the same way that it doesn't make sense naturally for us to think that God would do this, it, it doesn't make sense for a, another human to do this. Uh, and I know we're doing it, like you said, because God has done this to us. God has initiated this with us. So we respond 
toward God and we also respond in this way toward others. We respond with the same love that God has for, for us towards others. But have you guys experienced this from somebody else, someone who in your life consistently, imperfectly, but consistently does pursue you in the midst of your sinning and suffering? Well, I mean, I was going to say yes, they threw Dan, but now I'm going to think of another example. No, you could say Dan. I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Well, I would, I mean, the example that I was thinking of, despite, you know, we've been together for about a decade, over a decade, um, and being able to walk through all sorts of trials with, you know, parenting or professionally moving medically, like we, we've had the whole gamut. Um, but the example I was going to say, um, was actually before we got married, I had a pretty significant ankle surgery, um, and was really down. In the, I was just a total grump, a total grouch <laughs> for that um, whole season. And like we named it because it was such a big part. It took like a year to heal. It was really terrible. And so Alfred was just like the bane of my existence and, Dan would, I mean, again, we were not, we were not married. We were, we were dating, but not married. And he would come over every day to help me dress my wound. And he would come over every day to pray with me and to be with me and to not only just cheer me up, but he was just with me. Like he was just walking with me. Well, I wasn't walking, but we were, you know, <laughs> in theory, walking together through this weird, um, and, and difficult trial. And I, this really sticks out to me, especially as I think about the timing of when it happened and how he chose to move closer to me when I was a grouch. Um, and I was struggling and, um, struggling physically. And it was just a really beautiful picture of what it was going to be like, you know, we're engaged. So like, what, what would this life be like? Um, and how, is he showing me a little bit of his character now? And yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to put him up on a pedestal. I get that we're not all perfect, but it was a really cool thing to see and a, a great display of love, I guess, mm -hmm. um, that really spoke to me. So I was going to respond to how you said my, your first inclination in if someone um, is visibly showing a, a sin to be like, wow, let me get closer to them. My, I had literally written, written down like, I, <laughs> that's also not my like honesty moment that's like really that's a very like vulnerable like profound spotlight on my pride mm. <laughs> that I mm. would think like wow like if someone's suffering like I'm there like look at all of the people or things that have happened to me that um that when, where people have come and met me where I am and walked with mm. me um and how many people can I say that for my sin um and how am I doing that like it's just again like it blows my mind that God loves us that much that he's doing it. And how terrible am I? <laughs> like how prideful am I that I can't do that for another human mm -hmm. who um, needs somebody to, to move closer to them when they are sinning. And, and we all sin, like we all fall short of the glory of God. So that should be my first go-to like muscle memory. I should be like seeing someone in need, no matter what the need is and walking there. So this chapter was humbling for me to really evaluate like, okay, like it's one, I shouldn't be separating sinning and suffering. Like I should say, Hey, like we're, you know, I, I'm not like Jesus. You're not like Jesus. We need to be able to move closer to one another, point people to scripture and really like be compassionate towards one another. So anyway, I was just agreeing with you. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I really like that idea of uh, we've done too much separating uh, sinners and sufferers and, and like, okay, I'm going to respond this way. I'm going to keep my distance from this person uh, because mm-hmm. they're a sinner, but a sufferer, oh, oh, I really, I need to get close to them, whether we're naturally drawn to that or not. But like we, we recognize, oh, I, I should be close to them. I should move toward them. But a sinner, I got to keep them at arm's length just so it doesn't sort of infiltrate myself. And then I'm going to sin like them. It's like, well, no, you do sin like them. <laughs> like we, we all do sin like each other. Uh, and so, yeah, to bring those together, like Jesus, uh, Jesus meets us, whether we're sinning or suffering, because like we're all doing both of those at the same time. Like all of us are sinning and all of us are suffering. And there's never a moment where we're just sufferers or we're just sinners. And I don't mean like, obviously there are people who are victims of things and they're not, that's not what I mean. But like, as a person, we're, we're constantly, we're all sinners and we're all sufferers. There's never a moment where I'm just sinning and I'm actually not suffering at the same time. And so, yeah, like that's, that's the heart of Christ. And that should be the heart that I'm reflecting in my life. Along that line, it's also much easier for me to think of myself as a sufferer than a sinner. I'm much more ready to say I'm suffering through something than I am sinning right now and need help to get through this. And it's a result of my sinning that I have my suffering. It becomes about the suffering and we skip the sinning part and we, struggle to and i think this is part of what uh the quote was from martin lloyd jones like we have this this thing in us the system in us that keeps that sin away from and helps us to be deceived in the midst of of our sin so uh, there have been people who have come alongside me mentors that i had in college um who helped me to grow in my walk and they were walking with me in my sinning and suffering and getting to know me and helping me to get to know myself and have a better understanding of who I was with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, in- I, I like that. Um, so Ortland uses this uh, analogy of a parent with a sick child that a parent uh, as parents, we hate the sickness, uh, but, but we, we love our child in the midst of that. And, I know this happens to me as a dad. You don't even have to be a parent to to experience this. I mean, anytime you're coming into contact with children who are hurting, you hate what's hurting them, and 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 you, you want to love love the child. But I think about this where when my kids are sick, like I I I truly feel like I'm against that illness. Like whatever it is that they're struggling with, I truly feel that like I'm 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 its enemy, and I want to battle it. Uh, at the same time, like. I'm drawn closer to them. Like if your kids are sick on the couch, like, yeah, you want to, you want to maybe not too close because then you're going to get <laughs> sick too, but like, but you, but like you're drawn, you're drawn to, to, to be with them. Um, and then I'm hopeful that when my kids are sinning and I know I don't do this nearly as well as when they're sick, but when they're sinning, I'm hopeful that they, as they grow up, they come to know that even when I sin and even when I do, when I'm disobedient, that my dad is still drawn to me. Uh, that that even when I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing, like I don't separate myself from my kids, but I'm actually drawn to them. And I'm not saying that I do that well, but I, I long for my kids to grow up experiencing that from, from me, that when they sin, I, I'm coming to them. And even when I'm disciplining 
them that I, that's still me moving toward them and bringing healing to their life rather than just punishing them and walking away and feeling good about myself as a dad that like I did my job, I punished my kids. Um, so what do you, what do you think that when we do that with, with kids or when we do that with just people, like in the ways that you guys describe others doing that toward you, what do you think that communicates to those people uh, who are the recipients of, of someone moving closer to them in the midst of their sinning and in their suffering? I think this is a really poignant example um, specifically for us as parents um, and and the added nuance for me and Dan as parents of kids with special needs. Um, there's a lot of things that are in our kiddos' stories that, you know, I would consider us struggling with um, that, you know, that means that we are drawing closer to them. And so in the same way that you just described, you know, as a mom, I want to make sure that when, when my kids look back as adults and they think about their childhood and they think about the things that they've overcome, um, and the life that they've lived and how I fit into that, I would hope that I'm communicating a small picture of what Christ has done for them and what Christ has done for me. Um, and even though it's super imperfect, uh, to be able to say, Hey, like, you know, my mom didn't always get it right, but I knew that she was looking at the one who did. Um, and so ho I'm hoping that, you know, my actions and my thoughts are, um, as you know, as I've shared my thoughts with them, like that they'll be able to see that. And I mean, that's a specific parenting example. I don't know, Dan, if you want to touch on the, like other peers or other people in the community. As a mental health counselor, I get an opportunity to move towards people in the midst of their uh, suffering. And I sometimes think of um, their suffering as being, it's connected to their sin. So sometimes it's the sin of um, what they're doing and the actions that they're taking. Uh, but it's sometimes also sin that's been done to them and sin that has come along with the fall we're all fallen people and depression is a part of the fall anxiety is a part of the fall and it's a very real um to me working with it every day it's a very real uh it's reality that i have to help people through and i can get people to a certain point where their suffering is alleviated but that I'm not Christ, so I can't heal them in, in the way that they might think. And I have been fortunate to work with a variety of people who come to me and said, you, you have helped me and you've reached me to a point, help me to reach a point where I'm, I'm doing so much better. And okay, I can, I can see that, like my tests and my measures and all that show me that, but you're not healed because I'm not the healer. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> that has given me the opportunity to work with people in a variety of situations and really help them to move into a place where I can show them respect and I can show them empathy and I can show them that it doesn't, your suffering doesn't scare me. Your suffering doesn't drive me away. I am drawn to your suffering. I want to understand where you're coming from and, and how I can be of a help. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's it's wonderful how God uh, invites us 
into his work and that we can we can be uh, image bearers of God for our neighbors, even in places that we, as much as I would love to overtly talk to someone about sin and, <laughs> and the gospel, there are particular places in our lives, in workplaces or, or wherever, that, that we're not able to do that. But at the same time, we can put on display, we can still draw someone into the truth of the gospel uh, less explicitly and i and mm -hmm. and i long for that to move from sort of the general categories that god has given us of goodness mm -hmm. and love and care and compassion to the explicit gospel of sin and salvation in jesus but even mm -hmm. when we can't do that like what you're describing dan like you you can live out the gospel you can live out the gentle and lowly heart of christ with your right. neighbors uh, and with people that you're working with, uh, even if you're not explicitly talking through uh, Jesus and what he's done for them, you can still, people can still right. experience the love of Christ uh, without, they don't even know it, but they're actually experiencing the love of Christ in their life. Mm -hmm. And and it's a wonderful, I'm so glad that we've been invited into that in that sense. It's such a privilege. Absolutely. So, um, the last question I wanted to ask you guys, when I read it, actually, it, it feels a little like it's out of left field and where did this come from and why in the world would you ask this question? It doesn't relate to anything that we just talked about. Um, but, but I think it, it does. And it's also maybe necessary in a sense. And so this whole chapter around God's holiness and our sin and God's compassion toward his people, this is all true and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. Um, but for those outside of Christ, those who have not professed faith in Jesus or not, not brought into the people of God, uh, for those who have not come to him for forgiveness and mercy, like the reality is that there's judgment for that. But, but how do you guys think that reality uh, for people who don't know Jesus shapes the way that we live with our neighbors and our family members and in the world? How does this reality that for those outside of Christ, there, there is, there will ultimately be judgment. But how do you think that shapes the way that we live right now? How do we reflect this gentle and lowly heart of Jesus in the midst of that reality of, of judgment for sin? I mean, I think that's a reminder that I don't, I don't know what's in their heart or what's in their journey. And my impact in this current season doesn't it could be laying groundwork. It could be um, showing them love and compassion that will be something that they reflect on later in life. Um, I mean, I don't know what it, the steps are that God has mapped out for them. And, and yeah, this like touches on the big conversation of the sovereignty of God and, and, you know, those that he has chosen and those that as you said, that they don't come um, to him and that there is judgment. That's, it's really hard. <laughs> it's a really mm -hmm. big thing to wrestle with. Um, mm -hmm. But I was very fortunately not called to make that decision about the individuals mm -hmm. I'm called to love. And so um, I'm, I'm called to, to do the best that I can with what's been given to me here and now um, to love and show Jesus. So that's what I'll try to do and try not to get lost in the the really big picture of 
things that I'm are so far beyond my control. I mean, there's so many things that are outside of my control within my mm-hmm. own life that that's certainly not <laughs> within my control <laughs> or what's something yeah. I should worry about. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know, Dan, if you have something to add. I think that if the church overall members of the church were more gentle and lowly, there would be fewer people who would have as much of an issue as they do with coming to church. Um, so it, it would remove barriers and it would make it easier. Oh yeah, I can, I could get behind this Christ who is being, is being gentle and lowly as opposed to the one who's hypocritical mm-hmm. or the, you know, when members of a church are hypocritical, then is Jesus hypocritical? Like that, that's where it starts to come in and, and it gets lost in the message. Yeah. 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 Amen. I, I think it's interesting too, like being gentle or being compassionate. So if compassionate means to suffer with someone being Mm -hmm. compassionate, the implication of that, or the implication of gentleness is that there's a reason that you're having to be gentle towards someone. Like there's something, there's an issue, like there's a problem, there's suffering, Mm -hmm. there's sin, whatever it is. And now you're, you're, you are uh, intentionally responding with gentleness, but that even, that even communicates that there's something going on that I have to be compassionate with you. So even in our compassion, it isn't ignoring the reality of sin and suffering. It's actually uh, acknowledging it and saying, Hey, it's right in front of us here. So even when we're compassionate, I, sometimes I think we, we assume, ah, I'm being compassionate. I'm being gentle towards you. That means I'm ignoring sin and suffering. It's actually not, it's actually an acknowledgement mm-hmm. of that. And, and as you guys are saying, and, and, and our longing is that acknowledgement and that bearing of others burdens uh, draws people uh, into the church, into a community that is so different uh, than any other, than any other community that people are a part of. It's a thing that we're all built for and longing for, uh, but it takes mm-hmm. like you two and myself and us at Wheatland, it takes us to put that love of Jesus on display for people, for them to even know, oh, like that's the community that I need. <laughs> oh, I see. That's mm-hmm. actually what I, what I need all this time. Uh, and I'm sure you guys experience yep. that in your, in your lives and even in, in your jobs. Everybody's longing for mm-hmm. community and compassion uh, and gentleness from people, particularly mm-hmm. now, this gentleness. Well, I really appreciate you guys joining me uh, and being willing to do this and doing it from three different locations uh, is, is, is fun as we reflect on this. And I do want to remind um, everyone who's listening that our next Sunday evening Heart of Christ service will be Sunday, April 3rd at 6.30. And we look forward to seeing people who are able to make it to come. So thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate you joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks. It was great to be here. Thank you for listening to The Heart of Christ, a podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit wheatlandpca.org.